Welcome to the True Talk Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by True Living Real Estate, powered by Keller Williams. Our mission, we are a real estate team committed to excellence, integrity, as well as living an abundant lifestyle. We are bold, friendly rebels willing to do whatever it takes to uphold these values for our families that we help buy, sell, and invest in real estate. I'm your host, team leader, Nellie Dettinger, and with me today we have... Kate Curran, the listing input coordinator for the team. And I'm Catherine Rapaz, the marketing admin for the team. That's awesome. Thank you so much for um, being with me today, guys. And I'm so, so excited about today's special guest. She has been a dear friend of mine, someone that I've grown to um, like, love, and respect in our Keller Williams family. She is a team leader and powerhouse agent licensed in not one, not two, but three states around our great nation, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and sunny Florida, where they have an expansion team. And right now, her primary market is in St. Paul in the greater Twin Cities area and western Wisconsin. And today we are talking to the infamous Meg Highland of the Highland team. So thank you so much for, for coming, Meg. Oh my God, you're so nice. I love the infamous part. Thank you. You are. You and your dad. You are legends. You are You are <laughs> legends. I tell you, if I had a dollar for every time somebody said they know my dad, I would um, never work again. He's great. He is just absolutely great. And he's just been such an encouragement to me. And as I've built our business and and gone on our journey, and I am just blessed to um, have made his acquaintance and blessed to know him. And and you're just a bonus. And we, we love doing referral business with you guys. And I wanted to bring you on the podcast today because, you know, it's all about, you know, why we're doing this and what we can help other people accomplish and the financial freedom that we can allow them to achieve with real estate as the vehicle. And that's, I know that that's at the forefront of our business and, and, and your business as well. And it's all about um, being real and transparent, not only with ourselves, but also our clients about our own personal financial journeys that we're on. And we didn't, you know, it, it took time and it took a framework and models and a plan. And one of those things that I know that we share in common has been our affinity and our affiliation with Dave Ramsey, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you're you're absolutely right. There's there's so many um, different roadmaps for people to follow for for their own vision of what of what that looks like. Um, but I think you know, for most of us that are at Keller Williams, and and uh, I think you know, a lot of entrepreneurs and and business owners, it's one of those um, if there's a if there's a plan that's already been laid that works, um, there's really no reason to reinvent the wheel. No, absolutely not. And for those listeners that are not familiar with Dave Ramsey, I just want to give um, a little synopsis. We can go around and talk talk about um, you know his plan, which basically centers. So Dave Ramsey is um, a guru. I would say financially, he's a financial conservative, meaning he doesn't like credit card debt. He doesn't like people being house poor. He doesn't like people getting over their skis in their lifestyle and living above their means, right? Would that be fair? Okay, so he's got a radio show. He's got a great big social media following. He's got got books. 
Um, he has a class called Financial Peace University, which is taught in almost every community, like at least a couple times a year, um, wouldn't you say? And it, a lot of it is through um, local churches. So that's kind of cool. But basically, what we're here to talk about today is something called the Dave Ramsey Seven Baby Steps. And it's it's been kind of a buzzword, and it's something that even if you haven't taken Financial Peace University or read one of his books, you you might even know about. Um, Catherine, what is the first? What is the first baby step? Save one thousand dollars. Save one thousand dollars. You would not believe that there was a time in my life where this was really really hard. I think that we can all probably say that. I mean, I think for a lot of people, financial insecurity has become a much more real thing in the past two years. Um, I mean, from a personal standpoint, I definitely experienced going from a one pay grade to another because of the COVID-19 situation. And getting back to step one is was like my first thing to really come around to in 2021. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think that a lot of people um, at the very start of COVID felt that for sure. They for sure felt that. Um, Meg, at what was there a time in your life where you were that you could share and just kind of be transparent and vulnerable where maybe saving a thousand dollars and having that earmark wasn't like super simple or super easy? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, it's funny because we, I was actually at my team meeting today, we were talking about our big why, and, um, I can kind of just give you my quick, um, story, which was back. So I've been licensed since 2003. Um, and in, so in, in 2003, I had my, my first child, um, Mm -hmm. and which was great. Uh, I was not expecting to work. Um, I was hoping that I would just be a stay at home mom. And realize pretty quickly that that's not really what I'm cut out to be. Um, I'm I'm a pretty good mom, but I'm not a stay-at-home mom. Um, and in 2000, so in 2003, I had my first son, and then 14 months later, I had my second son. Um, and then um, I was really mostly just working part time. 2007, um, I had my third child, and. Um, if everybody remembers what 2007 looked like in the real estate market, um, it was real, real different than it was in 2003. Um, but in 2007, I found myself with three kids um, <coughs> under four. My, um, I, I was getting divorced. The market was crashing. My oldest son was being diagnosed with autism. Um, and I did not know $1,000 would have been a dream. I didn't know where I was going to get my next $10. So, um, so that, that is like very, it, I can go back to that moment very easily in my mind. Yeah. 2007 was the year that the market crashed. <coughs> Excuse me. I need yes, water. It was, tough year. it was a very tough year. And, uh, I found myself in a lucky position to be, um, is still employed and still working in real estate. Um, but I found myself in a situation where I was working almost exclusively with foreclosure market. So I was doing twice the amount of work for half the amount of money. Um, 
and juggling three babies and all of the fun things that were going on in my life at that moment. Yeah. Plus a life transition with not being married. A couple of them. Yeah. Right. So how did you, yeah, I can relate to a lot of that. Um, how did you, what strategies, I guess, at that time did you employ to save that thousand dollars? And did you become convicted at that time, um, that you needed to get control over your, over that to gain financial help? You know, that is a great question. I don't think that in, I think that intuitively I knew that that was important, Um, but there was also a moment where it was, um, it's, it's just a feeling of drowning. Um, so it really wasn't until, so that was 2007 and it really wasn't until about, I don't know, I'd say probably about 2013 that I really started implementing, um, how to, how to save how to save what I needed to save and to really find my path to financial freedom. Um, and that again, full transparency, that included me getting a night job. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, I bartended, um, I, luckily I'm from St. Paul and, and many of the people that I know are, um, are bar owners and are uh, generational bar owners. Um, and so I was very lucky that I could, um, kind of use some of those, uh, relationships that I'd had, um, but I, I hustled and I bartended and I worked, um, I worked real estate and, and I worked a second part-time job and I managed three kids. So, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, and I know cause nobody works harder than you do Nellie, that it's one of those things that if, if you are committed to it, whatever it is, you can do anything. Right. Right. And I look back at where we were at financially in 2013, 2015. I mean, I wasn't even aware at that time that salespeople were well compensated. (laughs) So I wasn't, I wasn't in sales. I was, I guess I was in sales. What I was selling was like vintage furniture. I had a storage unit in Egan I redecorated my house every single week in downtown Rochester and between Rochester and the Southern Metro basically flipped furniture for, you know, grocery money, money for my kids' private school that I thought that they needed at the time. Um, You know, I can remember going to the grocery store and counting out change for strawberries, to be perfectly honest. We were um, not irresponsible with our money, but we owned restaurants at the time. And restaurant owners, and you know this from bartending, Meg, they handle a lot of money. They don't keep a lot of money, <laughs> you know? So that that was huge. But I guess when we want to talk about strategies about saving that $1,000, that if you're in that place right now and that sounds like insurmountable or something that's unattainable and you aren't in a situation where you've worked multiple jobs and hustled, or maybe you are, and it still feels unattainable, start thinking outside the box. Start looking at your stuff. Like, what can you sell? 
What can you do? What can you make for somebody? Um, who can you help with a talent that you have that maybe you don't understand, you know, how to monetize it? Like, if I guess if Dave Ramsey were on the podcast right now, he would say, get gazelle focused. And he'd say, you know, do what, what others will not to do. So I guess what is, I mean, does anyone else have anything to add about that baby step and things that you could do to maybe save a thousand dollars? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing is to join KW. If you're thinking about getting into real estate, Keller Williams has options for multiple streams of income, whether that's profit share. And we can definitely talk more about that in a private conversation, or we can talk about that on the call here with Nelly. But then there's also the referral program where you can go across the country and find an agent in our program, our software, our KW command, and then hook up with an agent in Florida or California or Colorado, Janesville, Wisconsin, and get that multiple stream of income coming in. And, and that way you're also networking with your friends and family across the country. So it's, it's a really great option to be a part of KW. Yeah, being a part of KW, I mean, I guess I'm thinking of like tips that we can give our audience that are not necessarily realtors, um, but, you know, thinking about, you know, things that you can do um, to just scratch, claw, whatever you need to do, sell stuff to get that thousand dollars in the bank. So I'm really lucky, this is Catherine, in that sense, because I have my side hustle as my passion project which is also coaching show choir for the school district in Eau Claire. And it has allowed me to have a, I mean, it's, it's coaching, it's coaching through the school district. It's not, you know, big, big money in my pockets, but for me, I get that little bit extra income that can be saved towards saving the thousand dollars, but it's also something I truly love doing and it almost skips back it almost skips over some of them because I feel like I'm also giving my time, which is step seven. Like I have found a way to have, and I know that's not possible for everyone, but like maybe you love basketball. Have you thought about coaching at the middle school? Have you thought about looking into like, I mean, I have a theater degree, so I have directed plays at multiple schools throughout the Eau Claire area and had that be a small little chunk of change that wasn't something I had originally planned on, but then that can be something I save because it's not part of my paycheck that is going towards bills and other things. Totally. So I think, and I mean, even as far as like you were just saying, like selling stuff, like what are you not using in your house? Like I sold a dining room table that was a really nice dining room table and ended up with an extra $125 in my bank account, you know, because oh, it was something I wasn't using, but it was just collecting more things on top of that thing in my house, like declutter a little and you can actually, you know, try like I mean, you can make 10 bucks here and there, might as well. It adds up. I mean, if you're spending that on your credit card, right, which gets me to baby step number two, paying off debt, look around your house and think about the stuff that you've bought on credit that you really don't necessarily care about and like break the cycle, sell it and, you know, put it in your slush fund. Um, so Meg, talk about about paying off debt and strategies that you've employed um, in order to do that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think I, I don't, I'm sure this is also a Dave Ramsey thing. And I, I gotta be honest, I, I think that I've, I read this early on in my 
Dave career or even before, but I started with, um, for me, I started with the, the debt that I had that had the highest interest rate. So whether that was the biggest balance or the smallest balance, it didn't matter to me. I went with the highest interest rate and focused on that. And then, um, and then, so if I had three credit cards and student loans or whatever it was at the time, I went with the highest interest rate, paid that off, then took the money that I would have been paying for that and doubled down for the next thing and so on until, um, I didn't have any credit card debt. Um, it didn't have a car loan. Um, and, and it, it isn't, I, mean, I think it's making it sound like it's easy, but for me, again, I was, I felt as though I could actually leave the secondary job when I had, um, had a certain amount of, of a safety net and a, a, a certain amount of, um, no debt in my, in my foreseeable future. So that if something, there was an emergency, I knew I was okay. Right. And what you just described is a technique that um, Dave listeners are very familiar with called snowballing, where you're taking that higher payment um, amount and you're snowballing it once that first debt is paid off to the subsequent debts. And then it just exponentially gets less and less and less. And that's really exciting. It's really addicting. Um, You know, people talk about what gets them, you know, some people get into debt um, because there's like a dopamine rush because they're using, you know, shopping retail therapy to fill a void. I mean, that's not everyone's, you know, reason why they're in debt. Um, Some of them have a lot, a lot better reasons than that. Um, But when you can start getting a dopamine hit, from seeing your credit score increase or seeing the balances on your revolving credit um, lines go down. That, that was addicting for me. And that was really motivating for me. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Cool. In cool. all transparency, this is the step I am at right now. I mean, I have been given this great opportunity through my job at True Living to have um, the ability to get rid of my old car. Cause I was definitely one of those people that like, I did not have a credit card until I was like 28 years old. And wow. I then found out that I had really great credit unbeknownst to me because I had just, you know, been paying off the regular things and had never dived into that. And immediately went from like, Oh, I've been living like so conservatively. Now I can get this nicer, newer car. I can go to Europe two times this year on a credit card. Like, and am now having, like I said earlier, you know, experienced that whole change and shift of COVID-19 and, um, have made it a very strong goal in the past five months to really get back on my credit repair and paying off debt to the point where I made a car purchase of buying an older used car that will still be a reliable vehicle to me with the plan of being able to pay that off in the next year. Like that is how that budgeted into my life this time versus being like, Oh, like I want something with seven miles on it. Like that was not my mindset this time. Like I don't need all the bells and whistles. I need something with tires that goes. You need four wheels um, and a seat. That's that's yeah, my girl. That's awesome. Moon, Moon, Moon is a plus. Hitch is a plus. Great. Sure. They're already there. But 
it was price point. And I really held myself accountable to that to be like, okay, don't get sucked in. Don't let, you know, the person be like, well, you can get approved for, for this much. Like, I mean, if you just like take what you could do and half that and make that your livable lifestyle, like, I mean, that's what I'm doing right now. I am paying off debt. I'm at step two, people. That's awesome. That's so awesome. And way to own that. I'm so proud of you. That's cool. Um, so I would say that this next step, that this this three to saving three to six months of expenses, um, when I was able to do that, that's when the game really changed for me. And we were able to see a lot of stress be relieved, um, a lot of margin happen, and a lot of opportunities to create opportunities for other people. So when I got really honest about ourselves and having not only the three to six months of personal expenses saved, but three to six months of business expenses saved, that's where I really felt like I had some breathing room and I could grow a team and you know start creating a situation where I was responsible for other people on a regular basis and not be totally freaked out by that. Meg, can you relate to that? Absolutely. And yes, absolutely. Um, it, there's something so unbelievably uh, freeing and cool about that. And I'm, I'm a newer business owner compared to you. So for me, the, the building a business expense and, and building a team and having, you know, six months of salary saved and, and marketing and all that is a very different, it's a newer animal to me. It's certainly definitely, it's different than having your own personal expenses with mortgage and, you know, food and whatever. But, um, but when you have both, I think you're right. It, it does create, um, a different, I think it's a shift in your mindset of like, Mm -hmm. wait a second. Uh, if I did this, what else can I do? And if I have this much saved, how much more can I save? And what does that then translate to in terms of my back to your big why or back to your end game of of what does this look like for my my future? When do I how long do I wanna how long do I wanna work? How long do I wanna be in a position where, you know, I'm I'm having to think about these things? Or can I just kick back and feel pretty good about it for a while? Yeah, that's an interesting conversation. <laughs> um, so talk, talk to me about investing. What has your investment journey um, been like? This is we're on step four now. Um, so my husband and I, um, so I, I did get remarried, which certainly helped. I will tell you that that is a, that is a one way to help your income. Um, Congratulations. But, um, but, you know, for us, we, we have um, our investment strategies are we try to be fairly diversified in that um obviously being in real estate i'm a big believer in owning real estate so from an investment standpoint you know that is um that's a huge part that's a huge part for us um you know i think full you know full transparency i from from step four on um, I, I mix it up a little bit, uh, because my, my next step when it comes to college, I have three kids, um, and my kids are not expecting me to pay for their college education. I pay for their private school and their high school education. So for me, 
the investment component skips over college for them and goes into, I'm going to help you for your long-term future with, with properties that we're going to own and buy, buy with you or for you. So, so I have some, I have, I, I take a little bit of, I guess I take some liberties a little bit there um, just as a belief of my own. But, um, but we, we definitely, um, my husband has a, a business that he owns and runs as well. He has a family business. Um, so we're two self-employed people, which is tricky. So we, we definitely, um, we try, we put money, we have a, a set amount that we put into our, our IRA every month. We put, um, a certain dollar amount towards our, um, our real estate fund every month, um, we're looking at our retirement at this point of what does that look like in terms of what do we purchase and can we pay for that in cash? So we have, we try to diversify as much as we can um, with, with kind of the IRAs. We don't have 401k, we don't have 401k options for us. So IRA options and, um, and real estate are kind of our two from an investment standpoint. Yeah, I would agree. And I guess it's really been our focus, our investment. It what was really cool. And, you know, for those of you listening who know that we're a part of Keller Williams, our founder, Gary Keller, runs a mastermind for the top agents in the company every month. And I'm really fortunate that I get to participate in that. And one of the things that he did for us, for this group two months ago, is he brought in a financial guru who was all about the Vanguard Index Fund and investing in the stock market. And he totally um, laid out this great plan for, you know, snowballing your money and investing in the stock market and really relying on the index fund versus like picking stocks and, you know, gambling with your money in the stock market. And he created this vision of what investing in the stock market would look like in this really safe way over time. And I was so interested and so enthralled. And for some reason, though, I just couldn't bring myself to be like, okay, I'm going to take this amount and I'm going to put it in this index fund and I'm going to watch it grow because I'm so addicted to investing in real estate, right? So then we get back on the call with Gary the next month and he's like, so what did you guys do? What did you think? And we all kind of looked at each other and we're like, we're not doing this. We're going to continue investing in real estate. And he's like, gotcha. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he totally psyched us all out. Um, but really made us think because when you're looking at, you know, investments, a lot of times the first thing that people think of when they hear that word is the, the stock market and, um, you know, really our homes and potential secondary properties are some of the best investments that you can make over time or over a short time. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, okay, so college, we're kind of on the same page with this. I have eight kids. Um, I can't pay for all of their college. I shouldn't say I can't pay for all of their college. I don't know that that's the best investment in their future. And I think that we can make that determination on a case-by-case basis, but really just instilling them the work ethic and the entrepreneurial mindset that they can do this and they can do this without taking on a lot of debt and making sure that they know that that's possible. I think that's really freeing for a lot of parents. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So that's... For P, I mean, you know, we started our kids pretty early in their their work ethic and 
learning how to save at an age appropriateness. So, you know, if they made money, it was very easy for them to figure out. We said half, half goes into a savings account. We start there. That mm-hmm. goes into a college fund for you, for you to be able to pay for that at, or whatever you choose when you get to be that age. And it was very simple. It was very simple math. It was very simple account. And then as they've gotten older, my oldest will be 18 in a couple months. So that changes the narrative a little bit because before you're 18, it's kind of hard to do a whole lot of other things with, you know, IRAs and credit cards and it's hard to do any of that, even if you wanted to. So it changes the story, but he's already prepped and ready for knows how to budget for college, knows how to, you know, and that, that is, I think really freeing for, for, um, well, I mean, I think so I'm speaking for them, but, um, but I think being a teenager and being set up in a way that his, his friends are not at all. Right. It's the difference of teaching someone to fish and giving them the fish. Exactly right. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Cool. Okay. Step number six, and this is the one that I'm most excited to talk about. And I, um, you know, we have always invested in real estate and pretty much always lived in a house that was beneath our means because we never wanted to pay off a mortgage over 30 years. And we started our home ownership journey like in 2003, and we've basically moved every two years. We should have, in theory, we should have this step accomplished to be perfectly transparent. We do not, but we're taking major strides in it. And Meg, where are you at with that? So this is, again, where I will say I um, I take a little bit of liberties with Dave Ramsey, who probably will be, would not be thrilled with me saying that. But but we take some liberties because um, so we we don't own our home outright, but we're very close. Um, but rather than paying that off and then looking at investing in something else, we've we've paid down significant chunks each year, but we've also purchased investment real estate. We have a cabin. We own some land. We own some rental properties. So instead of paying that down, we also look at it. um, And again, this is the benefit of being in the business of real estate. When a deal falls in your lap, you take it. So for me, I'm not, I'm not opposed to saying that is good debt for me to have. Because I know that that was a deal that would not otherwise have come. Or if I waited and paid off my home in, you know, by next year, um, that deal would no longer be there. So sometimes I think it's finding that balance. We would be in the same boat as you, Nellie. We could have had our house paid for, but we bought a cabin. And we could have had our house paid for, but we bought another investment property. So each each decision is made with the understanding of, is this a good long-term plan? And kind of mixing the investment step and the payoff house step and kind of looking at that strategically along the way. We would not make a decision to purchase an investment property if it wasn't making us money. Correct. I wouldn't buy an investment property to lose money. So mm-hmm. although it's taking away some of my down payment that or some my down payment money for my investment property would could otherwise have been spent on my own home. In the long game, it adds another year or two to the whole plan, which 
for me at my age and my kids age, that, that makes sense to me. Those, those numbers make sense. Yeah, totally. It's all about, you know, defining, you know, good debt versus bad debt. And if you have, you know, debt that's in an appreciating asset that's cash flowing or more and creating income for you each month, that's what's going towards snowballing, um, you know, your debt, not only on that investment, but also your your house that you live in. And, you know, the best debt that you can have is a primary fixed expense at a low interest rate um, that stabilize, stabilizes your housing cost. And I don't think that Dave would disagree with that. Um, so yeah, it's kind of cool. Um, it's kind of, you know, it's a, it's a dream, but the light at the end of that tunnel for, for, I think both of us is shining so brightly and what the end game is and what we're going to be able to give back once that happens is so, so exciting. And I think that the mindset that people need to adopt is wherever you're at in this baby step journey that there's going to need to be some pain to bring you through that step so you earn the right to work on the next one. And there's probably some fear around that. And there's probably a lot of work around that. But the end result is so worth it. Absolutely. It's that legacy thing, too. I mean, I will feel very mm -hmm. accomplished. Um you know, I'm a product of the seventies and the eighties. So I, I am, I will feel like, you know, there was a lot that changed, um, for me growing up with, with, um, real estate and, you know, my dad's been a real estate agent since I was a little kid. So there was those moments of feast or famine when, mm -hmm. when interest rates were at 18% and nobody bought anything except on a contract for deed. And, you know, and then there'd be times we had a new car. So like that, right. those were, and so for me, I will feel very accomplished in my own world that I've set a goal that I will be through baby step number six by a certain age. I don't want to say how old I am. So no, but I have, I have a, a very specific plan. And when I hit that, I will feel very accomplished. Does that mean that I will be debt free on every property that I own? Absolutely not. But it will mean that what I'm setting up from a legacy standpoint is uh, something that my kids can grasp onto so that if they choose a different path than I did of going to a four-year university, that they have something else that they can work with. Or, you know, God forbid something happened to me or to my husband, we would have something to offer our kids to be able to um, get some footing. Right, right. Um, are you excited to do your debt-free scream when the time comes? I mean, I think so. That's that's one of those questions, right? Like, what will what define? I mean, my house will be paid off. Yeah, that'll be really cool. I won't have any other debt, but I will have investment debt. So does that count? I don't know. I have to think that through. Okay, when, we'll send an email. We'll 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 get the the Dave Ramsey headquarters to answer that. Like when I'll when you can do you. your debt free scream. I'll call you and scream. Is that cool? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's awesome. That's so awesome. This was such a fun conversation. Um, listeners, if you are listening and you need to buy or sell in the St. Paul Highland Park neighborhood or anywhere around the metro, I'm going to put you in touch with my good friend Meg Highland. And I am so, so excited to announce that the True Living Team is also a Dave Ramsey endorsed local provider. So if financial freedom is something that you value, if you value living 
um, beneath your means and working with a real estate professional that doesn't pressure you to spend up to your pre-approval amount or spend to where you're house poor and not in a comfortable position financially, the True Living team would absolutely love to work with you. And if you need help just ripping the Band-Aid off of your financial situation and getting real about what's going to set you on the path to homeownership, we have resources for that too. And I thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.